Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. This is the official Eurovision Song Contest podcast. Hello, how's it going? It's Steve here, back with you for another episode of the official Eurovision Song Contest podcast. Because we all know that the contest is, of course, over for another year. Hope you're not too sad. But the love for Eurovision never stops, does it? And there is so much to talk about still from this year. Congratulations once again to Ukraine and Kalush Orchestra winning with Stefania on the night in Turin. More on that in just a second. But the 2022 Grand Final threw up some truly iconic Eurovision moments. So I've got in touch with three of this year's finalists to discuss the night they performed to millions of people. What did it feel like and what's been happening in the weeks since? So here is what's coming up. There's a change of lyrics for Cornelia Jacobs now that Eurovision is over. During this whole journey, I've I felt so right in where I am. Like, you know, when you feel like I'm in the right place at the right time. Why the Czech Republic's We Are Domi got a reality check when they returned to Prague. Like the kids were great, but of course we didn't win. <laughs> so, so that is mostly what they what I asked about how it how it felt like losing Eurovision, <laughs> and how the Icelandic sisters are connected to the Eurovision film. When Will is talking to the elves, my mom is singing, and my dad produced and sings some like uh, harmonies with her. If you want the latest episode of the Eurovision Song Contest podcast as soon as it drops, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That is all on the way, but let's just reflect on this year's contest and more specifically, this year's top five. Because if you heard the last episode, which was recorded just after the grand final, after the results, I spoke to Ukraine's head of delegation, Oksana Skibinska, and you will know how much that win meant to everybody involved with Stefania. 
Kalish Orchestra secured a gigantic televote result to help win them the contest. But coming second and third were Sam Ryder for the United Kingdom and Chanel for Spain, both securing their country's best results in decades. In fourth place, we had Cornelia Jacobs for Sweden and fifth was Constractor for Serbia with a performance that will go down in Eurovision history. There is a video that is doing the rounds on social media and it's Constractor singing her song to a load of Serbian children and they know every single word, including the hand claps, obviously. I remember all those acts, all top five, coming back to the dressing room area after the grand final and just getting huge cheers from everybody who was hanging out there. But as well as that top five, the whole Eurovision class of 2022 put so much work into making this year's contest so brilliant. So let's speak to the first guest. She came fourth, as I mentioned, for Sweden with the song Hold Me Closer. Cornelia Jacobs caught up with me after she got back to her home country in Sweden. Enjoy. So, Cornelia Jacobs, welcome back to the official Eurovision Song Contest podcast. How are Thank you? Thank you. Well, I'm great. I'm doing so good. How are you? I'm, I'm very good. How are you dealing with life after Eurovision? I don't think I've really understood everything yet. If I ever <laughs> will, I'm not sure. But the week after, I just had like two days uh, that I was supposed to be totally off. Uh, but I, I was so excited. I had so much adrenaline. So I was like, Ah, you know, just walking around in my apartment, just like moving around stuff and like starting to think about colors on the walls and like, because <laughs> um, I was just understimulated in uh, like comparison with the, the schedule that I had in uh, Turin. Um, and then we went straight into rehearsals for the summer tour, which I think was really good because I think I would have had like a major Eurovision, uh, like post Eurovision depression otherwise. But now I could just dive directly into the next uh, next thing, which is the summer tour. On the grand final night, after you came forth and did so well, what time did you stay up till that night? Can you remember? We went to bed like around 5.30 or something. Like a, I was a zombie that we, those two weeks were so intense. All my family, I had like 17 people there, like family and friends, amazing. And all of them were coming to my hotel and we had like an after party there. Uh, and then after a while I was like, like, you know, my eyes were crossing each other. <laughs> so I was uh, super tired. Um, but listen, well done Thank coming you. forth. <laughs> um, when you saw the scores come in and, you know, you're rising up the leaderboard, what were you and your team saying? Like, can you remember that moment? Yeah, well, it was a very uh, surrealistic moment. Um, I've kind of described it like it. It felt like watching a movie from like the sofa at home, but you were actually in the movie, but you, you're like, I think my body kind of just made a distance between like myself and what was happening. Cause it, it's just too surrealistic to, to be emotionally a part of kind of. And I think the, the whole two weeks put me in that little um, weird bubble. We all said to each other, like, during the whole weeks like the, it's not about the competition we have done such a great uh, job for for me as like looking to to my career and the the place where i am right now and 
thinking of all the music I have to release. That's always been my my dream and my goal with this whole thing. Um, like when I even like chose to participate in Melodi Festivalen, um, it was to like uh, show what I do so that I can go on tour forever because that's what I that's what I uh, love to do to like uh, perform live. And and the relief that you must have felt after the grand final because like you said two weeks of really really intense schedules and you know you were one of those performers who had like lots of performers had technical difficulties in the rehearsals that you had to work things out what was the relief like when you had the jury final and then the grand final when you couldn't have done anything more it was huge (laughs) Uh, because even though it's like it's two weeks like yeah, on the place, but it was also like so many weeks before that when you're like, it's so weird to to even be contesting in music. It's it's um, that itself is very scary because it's like it's it's not always about who got the best, uh, who is the best like artist or who has the best song it's so much about what people feel like that day or like do people feel for popcorn or for uh, like candy Candy. you know because it's like it's just everyone does their own thing and I think that was so uh, beautiful with us uh, like me Chanel and Sam that uh, that and also Ukraine of course but since they were the Ukraine won and like then uh, looking at us three who was after that uh, we're so different in in our art history, but also Constractor coming fifth as well. That really shows the whole oh. the whole range of different yeah. artistry and different types of music, right? I love her so much. Bidistrava. No, it was so cool. <laughs> she was so cool. Her whole like face expressions, and she was so funny also in like all the press conferences and stuff. You made a little decision, didn't you, for the jury final and the final? Near t- towards the end of the song, you went up, didn't oh, you? Yeah. When when did you decide to do that? Well, actually, I I did that um, just on on the fee- when I because I got the feeling of doing it on the when I just won in in Melody Festival in Sweden. Uh, I I just did it for that like final um, um, winning uh, performance. Uh, and then I've got so much uh, texts from people like, you have to do that on the Eurovision. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, uh. And then it was just like um, so uh, so many of them. So I was like, okay, let's do it. Because um, so I, I just, I waited with it uh, until the final. Where's your big green circle right now? What's happened that's, to it? That's what I'm wondering too. Where's my big green circle? <laughs> Josephine. Do you know? You know what? Um, they took it by a truck from Sweden to Italy and then back. And I was gonna get my mic stand, uh, the the silver uh, one. I was gonna get that um, afterwards for the uh, the tour. But the Italians, they don't find it. It's no, gone. No, they've lost no. your mic stand. Yes, no. they did. And I'm uh, actually a little bit sad about that. They were like, oh, mic stand, no, we don't know. I'm like, <laughs> who's taking my mic stand? I know you want it. So currently uh, you don't have your circle and you don't have your mic stand. No, Eurovision so is over. And alone. Eurovision just... is over. <laughs> yeah, that's like the bitter, uh, dark truth. I'm alone now. 
Um, yeah. Cornelia, I'd love to know how you felt just before you stepped out for the grand final. I, no, I only had my uh, uh, vocal and like mental coach, uh, Susan, uh, with me. Uh, she was standing a bit behind. Um, but then it was time to like go up and I, um, I t- have, uh, I, I did tell myself like all of these uh, times before that like the most important thing is for me to know that I can take my time because uh, it's so easy to feel stressed or like you get into like when you see all the people and then you start to like wave at people and try to like get the like take them all in. Uh, and I did that uh, the day before the final in the Melody Festival. And I just like started to wave at people and like, oh, try to like, you know, yeah, uh, give a response to what they did and like what they showed. Um, and that resulted in that I was kind of like falling into my song because I didn't really have that time before where I really, really focused. So I had to like tell myself after that, like, uh, you cannot look at anyone now because you have to be focused so i was just looking at like before my feet towards uh, my place on the floor and then i sit down and i uh, take i do i sit to the left and then i sit to the right and then i uh, turn around just to know that uh, like i did uh, my little schedule backwards just to know that i was falling into the right position in the end uh, and then just uh, thinking about who I'm, who I want, who I'm singing it to, and and just remembering, uh, take your time. Did you love it? Oh yes, uh, <laughs> that's the like the first thing I was I would say like it it's it's absolutely the best thing I've ever done. Like I'm so happy that I choose that I chose to participate in Melody Festival because that was kind of scary. It's always scary to like. Like my, my past experiences since I was a kid, like being a part of a big TV program is, is quite scary because it's uh, adult people that wants you to do different things because it's going to give them a better TV or, you know, it's like you don't always feel, um, it can you can feel very pushed into different directions and, and it's easy to lose yourself in such a big program. Um, so I, it was kind of like, ooh, am I going to do this uh, at start? And then as soon as I decided to do it, uh, I felt more and more like this is uh, so right. I've like during this whole journey, I've felt so like, I, I, I don't, can't say that I've ever felt that before in this way. I felt so right in where I am. Like, you know, when you feel like I'm in the right place at the right time not uh, the right uh, one at the wrong time yes um, <laughs> just like everything felt so uh, i felt so safe and um, i don't think i could i could have enjoyed this as much much um, as i've done this year if it was like only one year before i've done so much like personal uh, developing um, inwards for for a couple of years yeah i trust myself and i feel closer to myself than i've ever been uh, on stage, I wore um, a ring mm. that has a green circle. Uh, it was a green stone that I bought when I was six. I was obsessed with this ring. It was the first ring I ever bought, and it was the start of a very big uh, uh, jewelry addiction uh, that we can talk <laughs> about in another episode. But anyway, <laughs> I was sure that this ring was magical. I used that for many years, and then I lost it. I, I mean, I just haven't seen it for a long time. And then like just a couple of weeks before Melody Festivalen, I found this ring 
And that was, I had already decided to have a green circle and everything. That was like months before when I felt that that was going to be the performance. Uh, and then just a couple of weeks before I found this ring and I was like, oh my God, it's a green circle. What is this? Like, so it was kind of weird. It was almost, it was like a sign. And, uh, and then I, it, it fitted on one uh, finger, even though it was like six when I bought it. So it fit on this finger, no other finger. Which might be the finger that you have when you marry, it's, right? It's your it wedding left... finger. Yeah, it's, it's your wedding, wedding finger. finger. Oh my god, yeah. I was wearing my spell. <laughs> oh, now I will cry. Oh, I didn't even notice that until now. Um, so, so I, I wore it uh, during the whole Melody Festival and on stage, and also on uh, Eurovision. Career-wise, it's the best thing I've done, of course. Also, so it was. I was pushed in in the best way uh, in so many ways that I feel like I developed a lot of steps in a short amount of time. I'm, I'm quite sure I will look back to this and just be smiling my whole life because it's just the most beautiful journey, uh, both inwards and outwards uh, that I've ever done and nothing have ever felt so right and I've never felt so ready. That was a long answer to your question, but no, I, no, I said, just, like, could I, you sum? Could you I just, no, I just think it's a, be it's a beautiful thing what you said. And I think we should all appreciate how you did actually say in that answer that, you, that Eurovision, you were in the right place at the right time, mm. which is the contradiction to your amazing lyrics. And also, mm. I just love that the circle is mm. a real thing in your life, metaphorically and mm. physically. And mm. that when people go and see you on tour, um, I think they should all hold up. They should make a circle with their hands or oh. something like that, you know, just a little okay. sign to kind of say, yeah, you know what? You did it. You did that. Mm. And you came forth uh, with an amazing song. And that, I mean, all the artists having so spent, <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> you. but have, you know, spending all the time with all the artists, everyone did so well, you know, it's not easy to perform in that environment. And kind of crazy. It is. It mm. is. And I just wonder, f final question, are you, um, have you still been listening to any Eurovision songs since you left? Uh, both uh, Sam's and Chanel and Steen, uh, yeah. the, the Dutch. Um, I love that song. Um, and I, definitely Ukraine. Me and Celia, my creative director that I like work very closely with uh, every day. Uh, we both love the Ukraine song. So we're like, yeah, funny. <laughs> every time we want to like, you know, get in the right mood. Uh, so um, we've been listening to that a lot. Cornelia, congratulations on coming forth. Uh, we will look Thank forward to you. new music. We'll look forward to seeing you on tour. Sounds Yay. like you've got a busy summer. Mm. Sounds like Eurovision was everything that you wanted it to be. And thank you so much for, for chatting to us about the debrief, you know, yeah. the, the Eurovision debrief. And, mm. you know, we look forward to seeing you very, very soon. All right. Thank you, Steve. I look forward to see you in real life very soon. And uh, take care, both you yes. and everyone who's listening. I, I hope to see you out on tour soon. This is the official Eurovision Song Contest podcast. Another great result for Sweden, who continue their fine history of successful appearances at Eurovision. Hold Me Closer also won the Marcel Bezenson Composer Award. That's the prize handed out just before the grand final. Sam Ryder for the UK got the Press Award. And Constractor from Serbia got the Artistic one. And obviously all three of them came in the top five. 
The next act we are chatting to is We Are Dommy, who represented the Czech Republic with their song Lights Off. It opened the grand final, song number one, using what we still believe was every single light in the Paola Olimpico venue. So it's a big hello to Casper, Ben, and of course, Dom from We Are Dommy. Um, and I'm just wondering, how is your post-Eurovision gloom? Is it is it really hit in? People, like, even before we started Eurovision, our delegation was like, you will have post-Eurovision depression. And they were like, prepare for it. But I personally feel really good <laughs> i i feel great like we have gigs booked in i'm actually kind of de-stressing which is nice um but obviously like i have more like nostalgic memories but nothing that makes me feel sad or depressed or anything i i feel pretty happy like i'm happy to be back i'm happy to be back in prague where there's beautiful weather so i feel great i don't have it but maybe it'll come i don't know yeah mm, yeah i feel the same we've just been preparing for it to happen and then that we told our head of delegation, we don't feel it. We feel kind of relieved and happy and excited now. But he's like, give it two weeks and it'll come. <laughs> and also me and Casper went straight from flying back on Sunday and then going to work in school on Monday again. So we didn't have time to really think about everything. Yeah, just to remind people, you're one of your other day jobs. You both work at a music school, don't you? Teaching. So you went straight back into class. Yeah. What did the students say? What did they say when you went back in? Like the kids were great, but of course we didn't win. So <laughs> so that is mostly what they what I asked about how it how it felt like losing Eurovision. <laughs> so no, of course they were really proud of uh, us getting to the final, for example. But yeah, they they really wanted us to win. That was their response. <laughs> mm. And I also think going into school kind of helped the transition be a bit smoother since we still have to sign autographs there. So it didn't go from everything to nothing. So we get to be, uh, yeah, a bit in the moment in school as well, as of now at least. Yeah, on, on Monday, when I went from my classroom to the coffee machine, it felt like the turquoise carpet all over again. <laughs> How did those first post-Eurovision beers taste? Lovely. So we, I think like two days after or something, we went to this beer garden uh, in this lovely park. And it was... Yeah, very positive. I enjoyed every single sip and all the sips that happened after. <laughs> that was lovely. In Prague, you just want to have a nice cold beer when you're sitting outside. It's, I mean, it's the beer country, so it was nice. And we got to kind of talk about like the memories and a bit about Eurovision. And two two ladies came up to us, like Czech women, and they were like, great job at Eurovision. And we were like, oh, Eurovision. <laughs> but it was, it was great. It's just, it's nice being back and it's nice having a beer when you don't have to, yeah, feel like guilty about it or anything. So, so no, it's, it's lovely. Um, Casper, what was it like, you know, doing the flag parade, you know, you were first out. Was that, uh, was that as fun as it looked? Yes. Or did it, did it seem like I had loads of fun? Yeah, it looked like you had lots of fun the entire time. Yeah, <laughs> good. No, of course it was. Uh, it was really cool. Um, of course, me and Ben are from Norway, so always carrying another flag than your own uh, it can be a bit strange. But as we said, we love living here in Czech Republic, so that wasn't an issue. And it was actually really fun since we had planned uh, on pretending we were diving into the water. So I was really looking forward pretending to do that. But but then we saw all the people and I kind of, it would kind of become like a half-assed thing. Like, should we yeah. do it? Should we do it? Uh, let's just 
half do it. So yeah, <laughs> the Norwegian in us came out there at least. <laughs> you know, the, the other thing about you going first is you were first back in the green room, right? So you can relax the most, uh, I guess, maybe. It was nice to finally see all the acts, definitely, since uh, during when we were in the semi-final and we performed last, we couldn't really properly just sit down and or listen to anyone in a good way. We heard all the songs from the TVs backstage, of course, but we were more hyping ourselves up and getting ready to play. So it was really nice to just be done with the nerves and then sit down and enjoy the rest of the show, yeah. Who did you enjoy watching in that grand final that you hadn't really seen or noticed before? I, because there's so many ballads, and then Moldova came on, and everyone was like, "Way!" Yeah, no, the whole <laughs> and green that was super fun. Yeah. The whole green room really got together because you know everyone was like sitting, you know, like of course if there's uh, a certain country next to you, then you maybe like chatted a bit, whatever. But like you didn't want to go kind of like all the way to the other side. Um, but when Moldova came on, everyone was like, "Yeah, let's go!" Mm. And everyone danced together. So that was like one moment that I, I, I remember was like. That was really fun. We were really eager to watch uh, Maro and the Portuguese mm. singers. And uh, we knew that we might not be able to since we were first and they were third. So we talked about uh, that before we were waiting for the flag parade with them. Like, oh, we hope we get to see you. So when we finished playing, we just rushed to get off our in-ears and then rushed back. And we just made it in order to see them. So that was also lovely to finally get to see that song live, which I've been hoping to do for during the whole Eurovision time really but they were also standing on the stage very close to the green room so it felt like sort of an intimate concert since they were just like 10-15 meters from us but it's still in, in an arena so it was a weird feeling of both an arena gig and a very what's it called intimate gig at the same time what's Dom what's your what's your kind of favorite memory of the night because it must all seem a bit of a blur but what what was your favorite moment well, what popped into my head straight away, I think it was actually after after all of it, uh, we went back to, it's a bar called The Huntsman. All of like my <laughs> friends, like I had one of my, my best friend um, flew all the way from America uh, to come see, see Eurovision. And I haven't seen her because of COVID, so I haven't seen her for like two years. So I think it was more just like the coming back, sitting down with like all of our close friends well, except for Ben's friends. Yeah, sorry, it's just hearing the Czech speaking, like, what's your favorite part of being in the Eurovision going grand back. final, going to the <laughs> pub after? No because, no, because, like, obviously, like, these are the people that have seen me grow the most since I was, since I met them, like, since being a teenager. So it's just, like, really nice going back to my friends and hugging them and being like, oh, my God, I did this. And then being like, we're so proud of you. And I got to have that moment, you know, with like my best friends. And like the party still continued even at the Huntsman, people were like singing the songs and it was still like really good vibes. But besides that, I think it was just like sitting in the green room was like, like the fact that we could watch the whole gig. How was the results? What was it like being um, being part of that? You know, it, did, by that point, did, it, did you still care or was it just like, we've done our job? Like I'm really in, intrigued to know how that feels. Right after we played, or right after we sat down in the green room, we actually just told ourselves like, whatever happens, we're proud of ourselves. Just getting to the final for us, uh, or for Czech Republic, uh, means a lot, since it's only the fourth time in the history that I've actually progressed to the final. For us afterwards, I think it was just a huge relief being done with it, and knowing that when you wake up tomorrow, you don't have to 
to deal with anything of that, then you just have to, I don't know. It, it was kind of strange since we didn't, or it, it's been so long since I could come home from work and just sit in the couch. And if I don't re- reply to Ben and Dom straight away, it's it's no worries. It's you, they usually just ask about, I don't know, Netflix recommendations or <laughs> something like that. Yeah. What we kind of wanted to do, which was like try and get into the grand final. And we had people watching us many many people many people that discovered our music because of course there then comes the reality of your vision will end and there's going to be new contestants next year so what matters is that people get to see who we are listen to our music hopefully continue listening to our or like discovering us that day and that's what we achieved so i don't really think about that much like where we were i was like nah guys we're in the grand final and we got to open it which is just like a massive bonus and it's definitely something I'll remember for the rest of my life. So I think we achieved what we wanted to. Yeah. I assume you've got gigs booked and you've got plans. Yeah, oh we got loads of plans and that's, that's what yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that after Eurovision, we could just sleep and relax. Um, it's actually doing everything we've said we will do. And our goal was of course, our delegation said as well, don't try to, win Eurovision that's never gonna happen uh, <laughs> great uh, no no but but it's it's impossible right um rather get to the final <laughs> and then and then get people to listen to your music and instead of putting all the effort into trying to win Eurovision set another goal which is releasing new music recording new music did you watch back your grand final performance have you watched it yet or have you kind of how soon was it before you you took a look at it about half an hour for me. I watched it in the green room. <laughs> I watched it back after we had our first gathering over beer. I actually didn't. I actually didn't watch it back. I didn't even watch the semifinal back after we went through to the final. I don't know if that's just like a me thing. I don't really like watching myself that much. Even though, like, I the only reason sometimes when I do watch myself back is for kind of like reasons to like progress. But otherwise, I kind of like to just remember it in the way that it was in my head um but i did watch it i did watch the semi and the grand just because i was intrigued like what what like the differences were because obviously it should be pretty similar since the choreography and everything is the same so i watched it but i was under the influence of a few beers <laughs> I just, in, like, in, the gra- in the grand final no not in the grand final <laughs> no i watched it yeah so that was like a few couple of days ago and i was like yeah cool yeah we did that cool nice nice yeah yeah it was just like it was pleasant but yeah normally i don't really like watching back things i don't know only if it's for like educational reasons to like progress i haven't watched it (laughs) (laughs) you haven't seen it yet no i'm I'm not sure why it's just when the sunday came it was just getting on that bus and then on sunday i was just trying to plan my lessons and (laughs) yeah and after i've I've worked even on uh, yesterday on Sunday since my the bands I'm teaching was having a gig. Uh, so I had to get up at seven then as well. So I've had just one day and that was a Saturday to sleep. But I think the weirdest part is that I'm so tired and kind of I'm not sick of Eurovision. I love it. Uh, like it was so cool. But actually, I'm not sure if you guys have experienced this as well, but I'm dreaming about Eurovision just hanging out with one of the other delegations and then having to go on stage. So when I wake up, I'm kind of stressed since I'm, oh, we need to do this and this and this. But then I just realize, oh, I just have to go to work and work work for nine hours and then go home and 
these rests. So I'm not sure how long I will have these kind of dreams, but I wake up in the first two minutes, I feel like I'm back in all, all the Eurovision circus. I still have all the songs in my head and my friends were staying on Saturday night at my house and I obviously had to do, I had to wash the, the sheets and I literally sang change my bed covers while I was doing it you know like there's there's a lyric for everything in in life maybe that is actually a sign that what you guys did cut through exactly I've definitely sang a Eurovision song every single day since we left one today it was it was Amanda I was on a train back from like this I got I did like a nature getaway for one night basically or two nights Lucky and i was me. on the train back and i was like if we die together and then yeah yeah so i've been singing eurovision songs every single day since because mm. they're still like locked in my head so and i have one class both this monday today and last monday i come into this class and the whole class is just like oh let me baby yeah mommy. So i don't think i'll ever escape that song either <laughs> well look um here's here's looking forward to a, a fun pack summer Congratulations on surviving Eurovision. Uh, we will look forward to seeing what you get up to next. And uh, yeah, you'll always be part of that Eurovision class of 2022. We are Domi representing the Czech Republic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Dom was drinking a very delicious looking beer during that interview. Uh, made me very thirsty indeed. Uh, very well deserved though. Uh, they worked so, so hard. They finished 22nd in the end. And one place below them in 23rd position was Sister from Iceland. The trio are Siga, Berta and Elin. And remember, it was their brother on stage with them playing the drums too. Now, for this interview, I spoke to Siga and Berta. Elin was on her way to Portugal for a gig, but that didn't matter because I got all the gossip I needed. How are you doing? It's very, di it's a different world, isn't it? Now that we're not in Eurovision. It's... It certainly is. Yeah, but at the same time, Iceland is very small. So we came back to Iceland and all of a sudden, everybody knows who we are. You're, you're the Eurovision sister. And we're like, yes. I have to wear makeup every day for the rest of my life now. I mean, there's there's so much to talk about. Where do we start? I think I think firstly, you know, looking back on that grand final, you'd been in um, Turin for a couple of weeks. What was it like during the grand final, performing your song for the final time? Amazing. I think we were just uh, so excited. I, I mean, after the the first semifinal, you know. We were so excited to to get in the grand final, you know. So for us, we we had already accomplished accomplished so what we wanted, you know. Yeah. So in the grand final, when we went on stage, it was just so amazing to be there. For us, the biggest yeah. challenge and the biggest competition was the semi final. Yeah, one. And when we when we got through that, because that was our mission, because both in uh, the final here in Iceland. And then in the semi-final, mm -hmm. we weren't really uh, like the the odds weren't with us. And for us to like like ignore that and and get through and just be on that mission to get through anyway was such a big accomplishment for us. For the Icelandic people um, to get to watch, watch it on the yeah, Saturday the too with us in it that was like yeah. because. It's a very big deal here. Everyone has a like Eurovision party and stuff. So it's mm -hmm. it's more fun f 
for the Icelandic people if Iceland is yeah. in the grand final. So that's we almost like... the, our thoughts were more like, <laughs> let's do it for Iceland. They have to be able to watch us in the final. And yeah. then I think other people were more upset about the fact we didn't score higher than us. We are very happy and, and, and glad that we have the ability to be happy for other people. Yeah. Like we love, we know that Sam deserved his place. We know yeah. Ukraine well, deserved yeah. their place. And also we get to spread our message. message that that was like so important to us. So, so the part where, where we landed number what, that didn't matter to us. It was just like for our message to get through that we were so thankful for that. Everybody's a winner. Yeah, we got to know so many beautiful people. people and we are so like, yeah, that we will always be in touch with and that will always be in our hearts. This yeah. is a like um, thing that will always be in our hearts and we will always right. remember. Who, d who did you really bond with while you were there? Sam, we really, yeah, we met him in Amsterdam and Madrid. So we got to know him. He asked us to do braids in his hair but we never got the time he was really like you have to do braids in my hair and, and like he also looks like he's from the nord nordic countries yeah yeah he he, he looks like a viking doesn't he, he and he really looks is. like some of our friends it's ridiculous yeah he's also just very kind mm -hmm. to everyone he doesn't really put you on a on a pedestal and then we like monica monica lou from lithuania yes so so funny very smart Amazing, Great. yeah. And um, uh, Maro from Portugal, yeah. She's very well like put together, both as a person and as a musician. Mm -hmm. So listen, did you three look after your brother during Eurovision? Did he have a good time? He had a yeah. great time. It was so amazing having him with us. He's just the most amazing He's person. Very kind. He's person. so kind, and we just all get along so well. We're all so close. It, in terms of the two weeks that you were there, what was the most surreal moment for you of the two weeks? For me, it was like, it was surreal that how many people thanked us for carrying the trans flag yeah. and being a representative of the trans communicate, mm -hmm. uh, community. Because yeah. here in Iceland, you know, it's different. It's mm -hmm. a small community. You don't really notice the hate. And I was surprised how difficult it is for many countries. Mm -hmm. So that to me was a very surreal moment that the message got through and I felt like we really did something very special. Yeah. Like not only the music, but something yeah. got through to people. They felt heard, they felt seen. Mm -hmm. Well, you had the opportunity, didn't you, in the flag parade to bring out the trans flag as well. You know, it's it's like being part of the Olympics opening ceremony, isn't it? <laughs> You're hiding around hiding around the corner and ready to jump out and say hi. No, it was so funny. And then, yeah, we were just standing like- It's like the, the Hunger Games. It's like, and now you go. And they were like, wee! It was, it was like screaming. I was like, what is going on here? That was surreal too. But we got these messages from parents like, thank you, my children felt so seen when you came out with their flag. Yeah. I mean, how great is that? So you got messages from people telling you this. You know, thousands yeah. of messages, uh, like a lot of them from Ukraine too. Yeah. What's next for you three? Um, yeah, we are about to release a single, two mm -hmm. singles now, just very soon. They're, very they're soon. singing in English. 
we have family and like friends in America. Our mom is born and raised there. And, uh, my husband is from America. And some of our families is still there. Trying, they were trying to watch us and vote for us. We we're trying to explain that they couldn't. <laughs> I don't know if you heard this story, but um, you know, uh, so, so Chanel from, from Spain with her amazing routine. So her choreographer was um, this LA guy called Kyle. I don't know if you saw him around. He he basically made that dance because he watched the Eurovision film during lockdown, which obviously centers all around Iceland and decided that he thought this was so amazing that he wanted to be part of it. So he decided to get involved in Eurovision by watching the Will Ferrell movie, which is all set in Iceland, you know? And it's so funny because our parents have a song in that movie. Do they? Yeah. yeah. Do you remember, if you've watched it and when Will is talking to the elves, that my mom is singing and my dad produced and sings some like uh, harmonies with her. Mm-hmm. It's very beautiful. So your mum and dad are in the Eurovision film with the song that Will Ferrell sings to the elves. Right. And we connect very well with the elves. That's what we grew up with, the stories of them. Mm-hmm. One, one final question. As, as both of you as mums, what did your kids think of you being in Eurovision? They were just they super were proud. They were so proud. My so three-year-old proud. just still wants to listen to Eurovision every day. So I guess I'll be in this reality for a little longer. <laughs> she loves the wolves. And she, she sings all the songs. She yeah. sings Snap, you know, the Armenian song. For us to just show them also that you can do anything you put your mind to. Yeah. That's such a... For the longest time, we've been single parents. Yeah. You know, showing that their single moms can just be at any age, can just go and do whatever, regardless. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to be a certain way. You just have to go after your dreams and yeah. do what you believe in. Mm-hmm. It's a very powerful message to your children. And also for my son, who's like a transgender himself, to see his mom represent his... Uh, his identity is very important. So he was very proud and thankful for that. Um, I'm glad you had an amazing time. Siga and Berta from Sister representing Iceland. Thank you so much for catching up in this post Eurovision world. We're gonna cling on to it for as long as we can, I feel. Good luck for whatever is next. Thank you you so much. To you too, hopefully we'll see you again sometime. This is the official Eurovision Song Contest podcast. Big thanks to Sika and Berta from Sister. I actually bumped into them the day after the grand final because we were all being tourists together in Turin because for the previous two weeks, it had been so busy, we hadn't actually seen much of the city. They are really warm people and it was great to see a song sung in Icelandic in the grand final. Now, before we go, just going to check in uh, with a friend of the podcast, Sam Ross, who is known for her encyclopedic knowledge of Eurovision. Hey, Sam. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me back. That's all right. How are you dealing with the post Eurovision gloom? Uh, You know, honestly, half the time I can't tell if it's post Eurovision depression or if it's just jet lag for me. (laughs) So I just I just hop in and keep my eyes focused on at least for me junior eurovision in december so i've got that to look forward to and you know host city to be determined for 2023 i know well yeah because basically eurovision never 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 ever stops um 
you were on the podcast quite a lot giving us all your stats because as I've mentioned before, I don't know anybody who knows more about the ins and outs and the numbers and the stats of Eurovision than yourself. Um, obviously, you have your own podcast, 12 Points from America, um, and you were working for the EBU while you were at Eurovision. So now that the dust has settled, uh, what are your take homes from this year's contest in terms of the stats? Give us the stats. We look at the Ukrainian televote. Obviously, this you look at the winners first. They ended up grabbing a total of 28 12-point scores from the public televote. We're just focusing wow. on the televote here. Wow. That is a total of 439 points altogether. Now, keep in mind, you have 40 nations competing this year. You can't vote for yourself, so we'll knock that number down to 39. So the maximum number of televote points that they could have received was 468. That means that they got 93.8% of the potential maximum score. That is only 29 points off of what they could have gotten altogether. That is incredible. An amazing amount of points. And obviously it, it took them to first place by a margin in the end. But you can't sneeze. You can't turn your nose up at the incredible positions that were taken, you know, second and third place. The UK, I mean, granted, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir here. Sam Ryder, he was an incredible, incredible ambassador for the United Kingdom this year. So from 26th place in Nilpoint last year to second place this year, that is the largest jump between finals ever. This is the UK's 16th time in second place and 466 points, which was Sam's total with both televote and public vote altogether. That is more than the UK's entire point haul from every single act since 2010. Wow. So you combine all of those acts <laughs> together and they still don't equal one Sam Ryder. Can we just make this like a new unit of measurement in the UK? <laughs> what, the Sam Ryder? <laughs> yeah, 466. I'm now dubbing it the Sam. <laughs> and then let's mention Spain also did phenomenally well. From 24th place last year to third, a bronze medal. That is incredible. That is Spain's highest placement since 1995 with Vuelve Conmigo. It's, it's been a long time coming, but it's, it's thrilling to see Spain doing as well. And I can't wait to see what both the UK and Spain do with that momentum in the future. The top five last year, I think four out of the five were non-English. Uh, Ukraine, Switzerland, France, and obviously Italy. And again, this year, the top five, we've got four different languages, two in English, but we've got Spanish, uh, Ukrainian and Serbian this year. Yeah, it's it's been a while, and it's certainly the first time that we've seen Latin in the top five. Of course, <laughs> in Corpusano, yes. Yes, of course. What other little pickups did you um, notice from this year's contest? Well, uh, looking at, just kind of keeping on that language front, I've sort of had my eye on the Lithuanian entry this year. Uh, and I have to say 14th place with 128 points, that is light years ahead of their debut in 1994, which is the last time that Lithuania sent a song in traditional Lithuanian, uh, which was, of course, null point. So anything would have been an improvement, but 128 points, that's certainly nothing to sneeze at. Other things that I've noticed, that Italy's sixth place for brevity, that is the best result that we've had for a host nation since Sweden's uh, If I Were Sorry came in fifth place in 2016. So that's also a really interesting statistic that I've noticed. Also, the fact that uh, Stefania is now the fourth winner from the 12th spot in the running order. Ah, what were the previous three? That would have been All Kinds of Everything in 1970, 
Uh, Nonoleta, the song that we got to hear this year on, on the Eurovision stage, thanks to Giuliola in 1964. And most recently, Arcade. Looking at this year's contest as a whole, I know we're biased because we love Eurovision, but it really felt special this year. It really, really did. It absolutely did. It really, you hit the nail on the head. It's, you know, you can, you can chew up the numbers and you can look at the scoreboard as much as you want. But in the end, it's, it is really all about the music. Hola, me be, be, be. <laughs> Hola, me be, be, be. <laughs> Oh, I miss being able to get into a room with people and say that and people get the reference. I went to a baby shower right after I got back to the U.S. and I had to hold my tongue from just saying hola, me be, be, be all the time because I knew nobody in the room would know what the heck I was talking about. Sam, thank you so much for being an encyclopedia over the last weeks and months. Keep collating all those Eurovision stats because uh, we would love to hear more from you uh, in the future as we go into the 2023 season. Uh, we need them in our lives, you know, for, for hungry geeks like me. We need these statistics. Um, and yeah, just try and make sure that you have a little dose of Eurovision every single day, which I'm sure you do, right? Is it possible to overdose on Eurovision? Because I might be pretty close to that. But you know what? I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. Thank you so much for having me on. Pleasure, Sam. And we'll talk to you soon, all right? All right. Take care. Have a great summer. See you later. Bye. Cheers, Sam. And thank you to Sister, We Are Domi, and Cornelia Jacobs for coming on to the big Eurovision debrief episode. If you would like to hear from one of your favourite acts from this year, just let me know and I will do my best to get them on. You can find me on Instagram. Just drop me a message. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Remember to keep streaming the artist's songs and look out for new releases or go and see them on tour. Lots of this year's acts have been announcing tours across Europe. Now, Eurovision goes a little quieter for the summer months, but we will still be keeping you updated across all our social platforms. I do hope to see you soon, but bye for now. You can follow the Eurovision Song Contest on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter and online at Eurovision.tv. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.